0: It's kind of a neat story, how it goes from small towns to a to point to, to, to a big deal."
1: After 13 MLB seasons, Auburndale native Jordan Zimmerman is taking off the MLB uniform. But before the MLB, he was at UWSP where he led the Pointers to a College World Series. Former teammates Mike Front and Jake Frombach, who were on that team, talk about Jordan Zimmerman and really just how much fun it was to watch him over these years and what it was like to play with Zimmerman. And boy, do they have some good things to say.
2: Have you guys each talked with, I know you guys refer to him as Zimmy. I'm not quite close enough with him. I've never talked to him. So have you guys talked with Jordan since the uh, retirement announcement at all? Um, I mean, outside of, haven't really talked to him too in depth,
3: but uh, definitely wished him, uh, you know, congratulations and, you know, a way to go. Uh, You know, we're on a group chat together, so uh, we're communicating, you know, pretty regularly.
0: Yeah, I've uh, I chatted with him a little bit. Uh, I know he's up in Eagle River again. He was catching some crappies yesterday. Um, I think I, I get the sense he's kind of a little emotional about ending it all. I know it's been a long run, um, kind of maybe settling all in, kind of going through his head. But I, I think he's at peace with being done and uh, certainly a, a hell of a career and a lot to be
2: proud of. What were each of your initial reactions when you saw the news? I mean, you might have heard it before the rest of us did, but whenever you found out, what was your reaction? I think my initial reaction was, you know, like, just,
3: just proud of him, proud of everything that he accomplished and, you know, um, just how how people held him in such high regard, you know. Um, some of the tweets that came out of that, uh, that, that closing press conference about, you know, the number of people that were there from Washington or Detroit that obviously – you know cared about his career and and you know the longevity that he had um that was really cool to see
0: yeah we had a uh, kind of chat a little bit last week and he, the the bullpen roll he, his arm just couldn't hold up to it uh he i know a couple Saturdays ago he was there was an extra inning game against the Dodgers and he was in the bullpen gonna pitch the 12th or the 13th and he was hot you know he never got into the game but he was ready and the next morning he woke up and yeah, he's like, man, I, I feel like I threw a complete game and all I did was get hot in the bullpen. And I think there it kind of set in that he just this wasn't a gig for him. And, you know, he wanted to get a few outings in maybe and then probably going to retire. And then I thought it'd be this week. It was Monday. Um, Yeah, I think it was hard for him, but it was time. His arm it's it just a lot of innings over the years. And
2: just it was it was tough to get it going out of the pen every day. That was something interesting that picked up from him, and that his arm was much more used to that that starter's workload and also that routine of being a starter and transitioning to the bullpen just quite honestly wasn't for him. And you would think that just with less innings and less pitches, it would be an easier transition. So I, I found that to be interesting. Um, let's go back to point because that's the common denominator here. Obviously, you guys were each there for a different time frame with Jordan, but for each of you. What are some of your earliest memories of him with the pointers, and just as a teammate and as a friend?
0: Being from Stratford, Jordan from Allendale, uh, he was a sophomore when I was a senior in high school. So we, we played against each other in high school. And, I, you know, even as a sophomore, he was legit. He, he, I remember him catching against us and I stole a lot of bases. And my senior year, he was the only guy to throw me out didn't really know jordan great then but got to know more and you, you knew that he was a special talent and then you know you transitioned into point where obviously he come in and contributed his freshman year um you knew the guy had he was going to be legit and then his sophomore year, he blew up he, he's i mean on the net the major league radar then but yeah and then you, you transition from high school we were competitors and then we got to be good friends um the whole story is real neat. You know, we, we grew up about 15 miles apart and played at the point, and then he turns into a superstar. But, yeah, it, it's kind of a neat story how he goes from small towns to
2: to point to, to, to a big deal. Mike, before I go to you real quick, I, I did want to hit on the Stratford-Alberdale connection there. I'm not sure, were you guys conference rivals back then as well? Yeah, we were.
0: Yeah. We so yeah. So you you problem. had
2: you had the real sneak peek before anyone on that pointer team. Obviously, he became a much better player his junior and senior year of high school. But you could tell you could tell right away when you saw him as a sophomore that he was a, going to be a very good player. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, when his sophomore year, he's kind
0: of the skinny, kind of dorky looking dude, and he's catching like well, and steal on him no problem. And I think he threw me out by two or three steps. And it's, we still joke about it that I slipped and it, it was a bad track, but, uh, yeah, legitimate talent that just blossomed into something very special.
2: Mike, what are your earlier memories of him? Yeah, Jordan, uh, Jordan
3: and I came in in the the same recruiting class uh, at Stevens point. So, um, you know, we, we would throw every day together. Um, and, and everything, you know, that we did was always competitive. Like, that's the one thing that I always remember about Jordan was his competitive edge and his competitive nature, even, you know, outside of baseball, whether it was throwing darts or, you know, shooting hoops, uh, you know, in between practices or, or workouts or whatnot. Um, everything he did was competitive, video games, you know. It, it was always a competition, you know, to, to win or, or to push each other. Um, you know, and you could see that that definitely paid dividends for him. Uh, you know, throughout his career and and to where he got.
2: For each of you, was there kind of this wow, Eureka moment at any point when you watched him when you realize this is not just a really good D3 pitcher, this is a potential major league pitcher?
3: Yeah, for me, it was uh when we came back, it would be in uh winter of 06 when we came back from uh winter break and you know, all of a sudden Jordan made a big jump on the radar gun where he's, you know, he's upper eighties, low nineties. And, you know, we're like, Jordan, what, you know, what did you do differently? And uh, I don't know, I, you know, just did the same thing that everybody else did, you know, what then where there was no secret to it. It just it kind of all clicked for him and, and the velo popped and the stuff popped. And, um, you know, that, that was, that was kind of the moment. It was like, oh, like, he's a really special kid, you know, he's a, he's a dude.
0: Yeah, uh for me kind of I, I played with the Old Claire Express uh the year before Jordan did. And it was kind of a you know, it's a step up from the D three, obviously. And Jordan went over there and he 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 dominated. He I don't know what his stats were, but no one could hit him. I went to watch a few games and he's throwing fastball fastballs by these D one guys. It's like okay. You know, he's legit. He's uh, not just doing this to uh, UW Stout. He's doing this to uh, guys from Oklahoma State and
2: whatnot. But
0: at that point, I think everyone kind of knew, yeah, this, he's he's, he's
2: going to be a high draft pick. So I talked with Matt Richter, obviously, one of your teammates, now the head coach at Point. He was in the same senior class as you, I take it, Jake. And he said he graduated 06. So that said that Jordan was really good in 06. In 07, it was stupid how dominant he was. In your guys' words, how dominant was he, Mike? I, I, I'm interested to hear your perspective on 07 in particular. But both of you guys obviously saw a pretty large sample size of him.
3: Yeah, I think um, in 2006, you know, he was he was really dominant. He put up good numbers. We just didn't score any runs in those games that he pitched for whatever reason, you know. And I think he was six and four, five and five, whatever it was. But you know, he still had the big strikeout numbers and the low ERA. Um, and then I think he went undefeated, um, his, his last year, my junior year, um, where, where he was really, really good. Then, um, I I don't really know, you know, what sticks out, but the one thing that, that I always remember is there was a couple starts where he would throw game one and there'd be, you know, 20, 30 radar guns behind home plate. And then I would throw game two and, and they all disappeared, you know, so um, kind of a humbling moment but you know that's when you realize that you know he's a legitimate talent there and um, you know he's the real deal
2: that's what Nat said that said the same thing that in that 06 season he had no run support so Jordan Zimmerman in 2006 was the Jacob Grom of <laughs> Division 3 YI baseball basically
3: yes sir yes
2: <laughs> hey go ahead man uh, yeah uh,
0: just carrying out Mike there I think the, the one thing that sticks out to me about the 06 season was, yeah, we, we were, we had a pretty good team and then Jordan was kind of our dude and it came down to the last game of the year. It was win, go to the World Series or be done. And uh, we had a little team meeting, I think it was in Rapids actually. And coach asked, it was Pat Bloom at the time, Jordan, Jordan, you want the ball? and he said yeah, and of course everyone's like, all right, you know, that this is our guy. And we uh, we ended up getting it done and going to the world series that year, and that you know, that's one thing that sticks with me because that was my senior year, and you, you want to go out on a high note. And he uh yeah, we jumped on his back and he, he definitely propelled us to get there. Jake, do you guys go to the world series in 06 without him? No, no, I I would t- I wouldn't say that to him, but to you, yeah. <laughs> We, we needed him. He, we actually, I believe we lost his first start in the regional, and we had to work our way back through. But he, he got the ball in that decisive game to get us there, and I don't I don't know if anyone else does that job that he does.
3: Oh, he set a school record in strikeouts that day with uh, with 15.
0: You got a better memory than me, Mike. Yeah.
3: Mike, do you guys go in 07 without him? No, no. He was – He was the horse that uh, brought us to the dance and took it through it, you know, took us through it for sure. Um, He was dominant in in every postseason start that that we had and, um, you know, was conference pitcher of the year. And now we don't uh, we don't have the success definitely without Jordan.
2: Now, obviously, you guys had a couple of really good teams besides Jordan. And UWSP is going to pump out guys that are going to play independent ball and whatnot. Did the thought of someone from that program, even though it was a really good program, did the thought of someone from that program getting drafted in the second round, was that like a fathomable thought before he did it to you guys? You
0: know, before that was kind of the reason I had gone there. There was a few guys who had gotten drafted. um, I don't know, Simonson, a few other guys had some sniffs of, like you said, independent ball, but no, it didn't. It just, but you know, he, he was just a freak of a talent and blossomed into something special. And it was, it's just weird. Like me and Mike would say that your friend does it. And uh, yeah, looking back on it, now know it's kind of a cool story with fire rising too. out oh, a couple of years later, another guy that kind of under the radar and he's, he's turning into a, a really good bullpen arm for the Brewers. Yeah. It's just, it's a weird story. Yeah. I just
3: think, um, you know, me going to, um, Steven's point, you know, pro ball was was never really on the radar. It was, you know, go get a degree, um, you know, go play ball, you know, go compete for for a conference championship, a World Series, whatever the case may be. Um, but I don't think pro ball was was really on our radar, um, you know, uh, until Jordan came through, and then you realize that, um, you know, that is attainable at, at any level, really.
2: You know, he had back-to-back top seven Scion Award finishes. He was a really good number three in a really good Nationals rotation. He might have a two at some point by Strasburg. Throws a no-hitter, makes a couple of all-star games. You know, I, I saw someone on Twitter the other day say he might have had the second greatest big league career from a D3 player ever behind Billy Wagner. Just from you guys, how cool was it to watch knowing where he came from in point? And Jake, like I said, even going back to the Stratford-Auburndale days, no one day went from that and being able to watch what he did in the big leagues. Just how cool was that? Yeah, I
0: I always got the, the MLB ticket because well, I wanted to watch Jordan when he was in Washington. And every start, he, he's doing these things, and he's making a lot of these really good major league hitters look like very poor players. And it's like, man, he that dude's from Auburndale? Like, holy cow. And you just kind of – you've you got moments you sit back and – I, I know I enjoyed the run almost probably m- as much as anyone, just being friends with him and being a, a baseball guy and watching probably 75 to 80% of his starts over the years. Yeah, you just kind of sit back and it's like, wow, I, I didn't – he he made it and he is
3: damn good. I think the one thing that sticks out about uh, Jordan's career is, you know, every fifth day, um, you know, we had something to do. You know, we, we had a game to watch, a game to, you know – Keenly watch and, and, and tune into. And it was really fun to to follow it and, and not only follow, you know, baseball, but really follow the Nationals and the Tigers. And and obviously you, you follow the Brewers, you know, because they're the, the local team. But um j- just watching Jordan, you know, week in and week out, you know, carve up big league talent. Um pretty impressive stuff.
2: Were you guys watching the no-hitter?
3: Uh, I was actually driving back from I think it was a pointer wedding um in steven's point i was driving back to milwaukee and my phone had fallen under my car seat and i was just blowing up with with texts and and everything and i had no idea about it um and i get home and i turn on the tv in the ninth inning and you know sure enough jordan's got a no hitter and i'm standing in my living room and you know fist pumping and cheering and immediately go find my phone at that point and Uh, you know, connect with everybody and realize how special that was.
2: So uh, did you make it back in time for the Sousa diving catch?
3: Yeah, I I saw the last three outs, uh, you know, on the the TV live.
2: How fast did you guys go
3: when you saw that catch? Uh, There were a lot of four-letter words that came out. And, you know, I I think I scared the dogs. They ran upstairs probably.
0: Yeah, we were pretty hyped. Yeah, I – I didn't watch, kind of similar to Mike, I didn't watch the beginning part of the game, but I had gotten a few texts. He had a know it. It was in the fifth and the sixth, and that's kind of the no-hitter rule. You don't like to talk about it. But I turned it on, I think, in the seventh, and he he he, he got some breaks, obviously, which you need a no-hitter. And then you get to the ninth there with that Sousa catch. And off the bat, even Jordan's reaction, he's like, oh, s***. But uh, yeah, I mean, unbelievable catch. And it was, you know, thrilling. It wasn't just – you felt like you were almost a part of it, being friends and playing with them at that point. It was a really cool moment for a lot of people.
2: Part of the story of his big league career obviously does include the Tigers' years, which did not go the way that he wanted to with injuries and performance and whatnot. Was that tough for you guys to watch at the same time?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, you, you felt for him because, you know, you know how competitive Jordan is and, and you know he wants to do well. Um, and and you know it just you just couldn't put it all together because of injuries and and everything in Detroit, um, you know. And, and I think we felt it too, and uh, it was really tough to watch.
0: Yeah, it, it was. It like like said, it was hard. You know, knowing Jordan, is such a competitor he is, and you know, social media these days, he, he he's no stranger to it. You know, there's guys on Twitter, there's fans on Twitter, really hitting him hard about it and obviously the big contract plays into it too but uh yeah with money aside it's tough to see a guy struggle and uh i, I know it, it still bothers him it, just being a competitor that he is it, it bothers him that he, he couldn't get it going in detroit and i know he he recently had an interview that he got really emotional about it. he couldn't finish it just just for that reason
2: how cool to bring it full circle and even if it was just spring training and a couple of appearances out of the bullpen, to do it for the home state team. How awesome was that for you guys to watch, and how great did you feel for him to be able to have the chance to finish his big league career like that? Uh, cool, It was really
0: cool. A big Brewer fan my whole life. Um, I think over the past couple of years, Jordan had a feeling he may get traded at the deadline to Milwaukee. Uh, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But uh, I know he worked really hard. From last offseason to this spring training to, to to get a chance. Um and I think he deserved a chance and he got it. Um I you know, I think he wished he could have maybe made a little longer, but it wasn't meant to be. His body couldn't hold up. But yeah, really cool to see him in a brew uniform, you know, even if it was for a couple starts. Uh yeah, certainly.
3: Yeah, would have loved to uh you know seen it in person definitely and, and get down to a game with a with a big uh, UW Stevens Point tailgate. Uh, those, you know, are pretty infamous down here, but, um, it, uh, t- you know, t- to, watch it come full circle, I-, I think is really special. Um, you know, and now to see JP doing it too, is, um, is really cool as well. You know, he, he had, he had two pointers and, uh, in one dugout and that's, that's pretty special.
2: Yeah. JP is a very easy guy to root for as well. I'm curious. You said that you guys were in a group chat with him and maybe he doesn't, I, I don't know how often he responds, but. Did he give you guys any sort of play-by-play or the story behind he was in Eagle River and then about to retire or was retired for two hours and the Brewers called him down? Did he give you guys any insight on that?
3: Yeah, I think he uh, he, he blew up the chat one morning and said, well, boys, I got the call. I said, the call where? He said, the, the, the call to the show. I'm heading down to Milwaukee right now. And I knew he was up in Eagle River. And, you know, that uh, was kind of the last thing we all kind of expected, but. Uh, we're super happy for him. And uh, he made it down just before game time that night. And that was pretty cool. Um,
0: yeah. I, well, I think he's pretty good. And he's quite a prankster. And he does, <laughs> he likes to pull stuff like that. So I, I said, no, I don't, I, I ain't buying this one because you, you were literally in the boat an hour ago. And now you're on the way to Milwaukee. I ain't buying it. Well, he, he sent a picture of the vehicle, the, the path, the route path to Milwaukee. OK, you know, yeah, he, he wasn't lying this time. So, yeah, it was it was pretty cool.
2: What do you see in his future? And, and people I've talked to in that and Mark, his high school coach, it doesn't sound like full time coaching is maybe in his future, but just kind of advising and you know lending an ear where need be. But it sounds like a lot of hunting and fishing is definitely in his future. <laughs> it's right. At the outset you see.
3: Yeah, I want to play him in golf. I want to shoot 18 with him and and see where I stack up. So um, hopefully we can get that on the schedule soon here, Um, you know, and just uh, just hang out like, uh, you know, like it's 2007 again. Uh,
2: Pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I think uh, one big thing he's looking forward to is getting his summers, you know, is for the last 15 more than that. His summer has been baseball, so he hasn't really been able to vacation or do things a lot of us get to do in the summer. So yeah, he's looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Big hunting and fishing. I know he's looking into getting a greenhouse. He, he's, he's big into his garden too. So we'll
2: see when he gets that going. Man. The last thing, guys, I want to give the open mic to you. If there are any Jordan Zimmerman stories that you think need to be told and are family friendly. I know Jake, <laughs> you said he's a big prankster. So if there's one that comes to mind, I would love to hear them.
0: Um, uh, let me think offhand. Okay, this is probably, he was with the Nationals and he was home on the All-Star break and we always used to go fishing. We were down in the Wisconsin River. Uh, we, it was a really warm day. So we had, I think we had some crawlers. We decided to quit and we went golfing. Well, me and a buddy beat him and another guy and he didn't tell me, but he put the night crawlers underneath the seat in my car. Well, the next morning, I wake up and I had an oil change, so I'm gonna take it in and it stinks. Like imagine night crawlers in 90 degrees. And I'm, I'm like, uh, Jordan, what well he here he was in the airport heading back, he was dying laughing. He, he finally told me, yeah, check under your seat. Cause <laughs> so here there was these bad night crawlers. Courtesy of Jordan, because we, we got the bedroom on the golf course that day, but he he got the last, last lap there. Oh, that was the worst smell ever.
2: Just baked in your car overnight. <laughs> oh, it's <was> terrible. Uh, <laughs>
3: Mike,
2: that's going to uh, be hard to beat, but go for it if you, if you got yeah, one. Yeah,
3: I don't know if I got a better one, but uh, the one that comes to mind is um, in Stevens Point, I lived uh, kind of right off the uh, my window, faced the, the main circle in the dorms. And, uh, you know, we used to have a, a dollar taped to a, a fishing line that we'd, we'd throw out there kind of in the middle of the circle. And, uh, and we, you know, we, we, would throw it out there and just kind of cast it in as, as people would go to pick it up you know we cast it all the way up to the window. And, you know, we've had a oblivious freshman basically walking all the way up to the window and watch it float away, um, you know, up to the, up to the room. And we're just, you know, basically crying, laughing, watching, uh, people chase after that dollar on the fishing line.
2: So all the stories come back to fishing, basically, somehow, some way. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, he had the equipment. It was easy. Yeah. That's all for this episode of the Highlight Zone podcast. But stay tuned for tomorrow. We'll have part two in which Matt Enfield catches up with Mark Gross, who was the coach at Auburndale during the Zimmerman days, and it's a good one. Tune in tomorrow. But until then, take care. And it's a good one. Make sure. And it's a good one. Make sure to tune in tomorrow. But until then, take care.